Hi, I'm Max Kaiser. This is the Kaiser Report. Yeah, we're in Buenos Aires, Argentina. So many hidden assets and obvious assets. This country freaking rocks. Uh, Stacy. Yes, we're going to talk about some of the opportunities that have been taken over the last uh, oh, few months or years. And, you know, it fits into this theme that we've covered over the past few years, which is that as soon as the U.S. used the U.S. dollar, and in particular the SWIFT, as a financial weapon, alternatives emerged and thus set in the end of the power of empire. This has happened throughout history. Uh, hubris often sinks an empire when they become a bully. And so we're going to look at what uh, a story about China. China working with a Dutch company, by the way, here. This is when the U.S. slapped all those tariffs on agricultural goods and all sorts of goods. The, uh, China retaliated by stopping all imports of soy bean products. And, of course, uh, Argentina is a big producer of that. So they're, China's pivoting and having to redevelop and build infrastructure in countries that they want to do business with. So here's the headline. China wants to build a grains super highway in Argentina. Here is the Piranha River. It's their main waterway and it dumps out into the ocean. And here's Uruguay, here's Argentina, here's Buenos Aires. And China has stepped away from U.S. agriculture imports and said it would bid on a project that could create a grains superhighway in Argentina, reported Reuters. Chinese state-owned construction company CCCC is readying a bid that would allow it to dredge Argentina's Piranha River, the country's only river that acts as a waterway for bulk vessels that transport soybean and corn from the Pampas farm belt to the South Atlantic. You know, David Ricardo, who is the uh, contemporary Adam Smith talked about comparative advantage. And here, comparative advantage speaking, you've got this huge uh, river which would run through the grain belt and give Argentina a way to transport grain and give them uh, a leg up over Brazil and the U.S. that has to spend a lot of money moving the grain and the agriculture to the, yes. the, the rail track or whatever. And uh, so this is, remember, uh, could be a game changer. Uh, the British had the Industrial Revolution uh, due to the canal system. Uh, that gave them the ability to move stuff around inter-England inter, uh, waterways. So this could be a huge game changer. And it's just like the asset is there. China sees the asset. They're going to monetize the asset. They're stepping away from the U.S. The U.S. and America are in, are in this, uh, in the U.S. and China are in a trade war. And so China's like, okay, we don't, we don't need to look that way. We can go to Argentina. You know, we can, we can do the uh, new Silk Road with Russia. So the U.S. is not thinking. It's not unique to the U.S., and it looks like we might pick on the U.S., but the fact is every single empire has made the same exact mistakes for the same exact reasons. They become bullies, they become hubristic, and they're used to getting their way, and they don't like disobedience. And the further away from the empire you are, from the center, the more disobedient they tend to be, and then it costs a lot of money to send resources there and, and armed forces and... I think we have a big military base just over the border in Paraguay. You know, it takes, it costs a lot, and it costs a lot to control, um, to keep them from making their own deals. Like China, also for its own part, obviously it is a rising power, and we're not saying whether or not it's a good power or a bad power, but what the fact is that it is a power, and it, it is quite clever, and it, it goes around. It goes to those edges of the empire to do the deals first, because it doesn't want to provoke the U.S. directly. It's, it's trying to avoid that until the last possible moment. All markets create prices and all prices are a signal. That, that signal is either right or wrong. 
And it doesn't mean it's one political system or another political system. Mm -hmm. It's just a number. It's a signal generated by a market. And markets have always been with us because people have always wanted to trade from the beginning of people. And they always will want to trade. The nation state is just a construct that will came recently and will probably disappear. Uh, monarchies come and go. But trading has always been with us. And price signals have always been with us. All we do is tell you what the signals tell uh, the truth. The signal is the truth. The price is the only truth in any news you're ever going to read. The price is the only bit of truth. That's it. Everything else is conjecture. By 2021, there will be a decision on this. So it, right now it's conjecture whether or not China will get this deal to dredge the Piranha River. Or and why would you name a river Piranha River if no. you're trying to encourage people to go bathe in the winter if it's full of piranha? That sounds well, I'm horrible. Probably, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong and all our Spanish Viewers on RT and Espanol. They should will be call laughing. Provolone River because they love Provolone here in Argentina. Nice fried Provolone. It's fantastic. Provoleta. Provoleta. Fantastico. Fantastico. You know, 62% of the population of Argentina is descended in some way from Italians. Taste it. You taste it's it. It's so fantastic. Oh, it's so marvelous. <laughs> Just to point out again how it will give it a, a, an advantage over the U.S. and Brazil, the other two big agricultural producers in this hemisphere. Dredging Parna will give Argentina a significant advantage over its competitors. This means farmers in Argentina's farm belts can directly load their products onto bulk carriers. This is much different from Brazil and the U.S. who have to transport products via truck or rail over an extended distance to the nearest port. And then, of course, the cheap uh, peso is great for exports. And uh, they receive a lot of hard currency, i.e. U.S. dollars, from China or U.N., who knows. But um, another opportunity here and this is an interesting one that we've been covering in the US and that's fracking and there's uh, this um, huge reserves found in Patagonia and Total which is the French company is the second largest producer here but this is an interesting uh, data they have here total eyes shale oil for growth in Argentina on concern of low gas prices total the second largest producer of natural gas in Argentina plans to focus on its oil assets there on concerns that an oversupply of gas could drive prices to unprofitable levels this is the Vaca Muerta shale reserves in Patagonia and they said there's huge uh, potential to, uh, you know, find gas, natural gas in these shale reserves. But the head of Total in Argentina, he says, we want to see at what level the prices will stabilize. We have seen in the United States that gas can go to a negative price. We want to wait to see what the price of gas will be in Argentina because it could fall to negative prices. And that's Dominique Marion. The shale catastrophe in America and elsewhere has proven itself to be a, a disaster and Argentina could be dodging a bullet here because all they have to do is look at what happened to the US or in Great Britain to understand that shale of course it's negative prices it's always negative prices because the amount of energy it takes to do shale is greater than the energy you get out it's negative energy and it's also the amount of cash that you need to do uh, uh, fracking is greater than what you get out. It's, it's always cash flow negative. Uh, from day one, it's energy negative from day one. It's a negative, it, don't, Argentina, don't do shale, okay? Avoid this catastrophe, just forget about it. It's a loser, it's dead on arrival. Forget it, don't do it. You can argue with them all you want, but the fact is they cannot print dollars and you see that on the ground here that is the problem they're having a currency crisis because they cannot print dollars America can print dollars so it could go they could lose $30 a, uh, on a unit of 
natural gas in America. And they, it doesn't matter. They could keep on producing. This is the raw information. This is total saying, well, in Argentina, we actually have to sell it. We have to actually make a profit. So uh, therefore, natural gas is unprofitable. And it's a, it's a weird situation because here, technology, and there were and are great technological advances in the shale oil and natural gas production. It's been an amazing technological advancement. But it's a standoff because it is so easy and they are fast to ramp up compared to traditional oil and natural gas um, production. Okay, you're bringing up a good point there. Yeah. I mean, it's an interest. It's, it has to be included in this uh, understanding of shale is that it's a money loser from day one, but it doesn't matter in the U.S. because all the creditors who lend money into the shale industry are constantly being bailed out by the central bank that prints money. That's why they do it for the fees. It's great for the banks, but it's not an energy play and it's not a business. It's, it's a sinkhole. Uh, but here, as you point out, in Argentina, since they can't just print their way out of a losing situation, and the economy is already a bit fragile, you don't want to add another loser into the mix like shale uh, drilling. Uh, avoid it completely. This is part of that situation of what price. Like, there, there's plenty of natural gas and, and shale oil and things like that. But at, but at what price? Not at the price that people are willing to pay. So, therefore, we have a total gridlock around the out around the world i mean it's, it's a weird situation where the the price they can't find an equilibrium uh because everybody and their mom can start like drilling very quickly as soon as the price goes to a little bit profitable and then everybody starts drilling for some natural gas and then the price collapses again so it is very extremely volatile um, another situation where we have and this was an interesting story that i saw this was from the summer, and this is WolfStreet.com, and they were talking about the airline situation here because Macri, when he came into power, he uh, deregulated the entire industry for airlines, and um, basically they found themselves in a situation of offering <laughs> flights. They're, out, they're trying to compete with each other because there was just one national airline, and now there's like six or seven here operating, and they're having to give away flights. They're losing money on every seat, but hoping to make it up in volume. The airline fiasco in Argentina as peso collapses, a new plan goes awry. On 27th of December 2016, the federal government of Argentina under new president Maurizio Macri launched the Revolución de los Aviones, the brainchild of the Minister of Transport's Guillermo Dietrich, an ambitious plan aimed at overhauling the stagnant airline industry in Argentina. While often called deregulation, it was actually a far-reaching and ambitious plan supported by annual expenditures of about one $1.5 billion by the federal government in the airline sector over the 2017 to 2020 time frame, including modernization of many Argentine airports and construction of the first airport wholly dedicated to low-cost airlines, El Palomar, near Buenos Aires. So it's been wildly successful. There's a huge, like, double-digit increase in passenger numbers internally. But many of these airlines, and we'll go over some of the details in a bit, but they've been losing a massive amounts of money. Well, that's a typical transition period all over the world. Countries go from their national airlines to these, uh, you know, um, highly competitive uh, cut-rate airlines. Yes. And there's a lot of blood in the streets. That's called free market capitalism. I mean, there's nothing to worry about here. This is normal. The, the entrepreneurs that started these airlines are going to go bankrupt. Uh, they love to go bankrupt. They love misery. Uh, they love to fail because it's a badge of honor. Let them fail. They're entrepreneurs. Let them fail. That's called free market capitalism. And build the, uh, build the airports. Build the runways. Build the infrastructure. That's your job. Let the executives at the airlines and the shareholders take the losses. They don't care about the shareholders. They take the risk. They're going to lose money. That's it. That's why they're shareholders. That's what, that's, that's what it's all about. Part of the problem, what, ha what has happened, is because the currency collapsed so fast, all of their costs, most of their costs, 
are in either U.S. dollars or euros. So, you know, the, the petrol for the plane, the, the, the fuel for the plane, the training costs for the crew, uh, the leasing of the plane, which is the number one cost. So all of the, their costs suddenly doubled in the course of just a few weeks. Right, they go months. bankrupt. And all those people are going to have to get new jobs. But it's a very fluid economy, and there's a lot of different types of jobs out there. And this is the way it works. When you transition from a centrally planned economy to a free market economy, it's perfectly normal. Embrace change. Embrace the chaos. Be, be the chaos you want to be. We're going to take a break. When we come back, much more coming your way. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. I'm Max Kaiser. Time now to turn to Dr. Frederico Ast, who's building the justice system of the future. He's also a lecturer at Coursera Singularity University and others. Welcome. Thank you, Max. Great to see you. This is intriguing stuff. I can hardly wait to get into this. Before we discuss the justice system of the future that you are building, let's briefly discuss the situation in Buenos Aires as an entrepreneur. How difficult does the frequent currency crisis make for you? Or does it actually make it easier to pitch Bitcoin? Or how does the entrepreneur fit into the entrepreneurial uh, Argentinian ecosystem? Well, actually, Argentina had so many problems in the past with the currencies, as you know, and bad governance that, you know, building a company here is hard. But that's why uh, you have cryptocurrency that can help you to do something without friction. Uh, we can pay salaries with cryptocurrencies. You can like sell to, the, to abroad with cryptocurrencies. If you wanted to do this with the um, traditional banking and financial system, would very hard, right? Because you have like capital controls, banks they don't give you the money that they say you are paid. So that's why I think Argentina has a, such a big. Uh, community of, of developers for cryptocurrency, right? So it seems to me like the Argentinians have an extremely agile mind because there's a lot of immigration, so there's a lot of languages, a lot of different ways of doing things, a lot of different backgrounds, and it all comes together in this melting pot. And people come together, there's a strong sense of community, there's a resiliency uh, here, uh, and they've, all, they've dealt with so many crises, and it's kind of like a startup failing again and again and again, but it makes as a badge of honor, really. You know, you've come <laughs> through the, the fire, and uh, you know, you, you're in a good position. I think that's why uh, Bitcoin adoption is skyrocketing here in Argentina. So let's talk about the justice system of the future. What is it? Why is it? How is it? So um, we are living in a world that is more globalized, this digitized. So imagine you have a um, contract with some guy who is in another country like for, for a website development uh, project, and there is a dispute with the guy. So you're not going to another country like to Guatemala <laughs> to court for like $100 or $1,000. So imagine if you could use a system that is based on blockchain, where you send the money into an escrow, and then if there is a dispute with the, with the contractor, then there is a jury that's going to decide uh, who is right. They're going to analyze the evidence, like the contract you, you did, and the product that was delivered, and they're going to vote who is right. And um, this, is, this solves a very important problem in today's uh, globalized economy. So the name of this uh, technology of this company is Kleros. Right, and so uh, these are smart contracts. Smart contracts, yeah. Right, and uh, this is what we were told Ethereum excelled at. Uh, there's also com competition in that area from uh, projects like Cordano and EOS, and these are smart contract type uh, crypto uh, blockchain projects. Do you guys uh, pick of those enterprises, of those of those syst projects, uh, which are better, or do you are you uh, 
you know, tick any of them? Are any of them doing better than others? You know. So um, Claros is built on Ethereum because at the time we started, it was the largest crypto uh, smart contract platform. But so potentially it can work in any other. So because the, the thing is that what we need for this to work correctly is uh, that there is immutability in the in the agreements in the contract. So no one can tamper with the jury selection and no one can tamper with the evidence. So it's in Ethereum, but could potentially work in any other blockchain. Right. Okay. So it's immutability is key. And so these contracts have global contracts. There's a global world out there. People are doing business all over the world. And uh, it's, to have that kind of international exposure is quite expensive for the average person. But with blockchain, the cost comes down incredibly, down to almost a gig economy levels uh, of where people are just putting up a few pesos, really, and they can engineer a smart contract and, and launch a global business. What? Uh, give us an example of how this is working. Uh, so, for example, um, this is working now at this moment for um, token disputes. You know, you, you have exchanges that have to list tokens and decide which tokens to list. Uh, so, this has traditionally been a very like obscure process. You never know how the process works. So, imagine having a neutral jury decide which tokens. Uh, should be accepted into an exchange, like, and so this can have the possibility of removing like lots of scams from the crypto ecosystem. So, and this it has, it's something that is self-regulated. So, this is the community using a technology to get rid of the scammers and to only allow the legit tokens to to be listed. So, this is a way of self-regulation. Right. Is it going to jump out of the crypto world into the non-crypto world? I mean, you know, you talk about juries, mm -hmm. and jury selection is is something that is extremely arduous, it's, it's time consuming. I, is there a way to streamline that process and put it on the blockchain to speed up justice? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, Claros is not intended to like, replace traditional justice systems, which are like, more complex. It's not for criminal. But you know, for kind of commercial disputes and corporate kind of disputes, uh, this can provide a much faster and much simpler dispute resolution process. Right? If you are running a business uh, in the mainstream world, forget crypto. And you have lots of time disputes, and you don't want to go to court for years. Like if you could have a private arbitration system, which already exists, but Claros does it like 10x faster and cheaper. So that's that's what uh, what we're building. Right. So typically in, in businesses and startups, there's a there's always a lag time. You know, you send out the invoice, and then you know you wait for the money to come in. And uh, a lot of times businesses don't grow fast enough. Uh, in that they get behind, and uh, this is a major problem in growing a business. So with a smart contract, it's uh, they're all uh, synchronized, right? So the yeah. payment and the delivery of the item or the service is synchronized. You get paid uh, with the delivery almost, and it's all in escrow. Yeah. And so you re get rid of a major deterrent for scaling a business, which would be accounts receivables. Totally. Like, imagine, for example, you are in the U.S. or whatever, and you are thinking of hiring some Argentinian developer. So, but okay, you don't know. So, if this, uh, if the work he does is not good enough, so I'm not going to court in Argentina. It's complex, etc. So, smart contracts give you like this type of, uh, if you want, rule of law as a service that you get this, the certainty that okay, if there is no compliance with the rules of what was agreed, so there is a way to solve this. So this is a very important infrastructure for the world economy. Right, because usually people, when they get into business and they do deals, they have to decide a jurisdiction yeah. to resolve differences, resolve legal issues, and yeah. it's in your country or my country. Uh, here it's on the blockchain, and you already know ahead of time what is going to be the outcome and how you're going to resolve these, these problems. And uh, so this is... Uh, 
Let me ask you this. The, the many who are against the, re, the major social media platforms like Twitter or Facebook having power to deplatform and silence voices have suggested a centralized, decentralized mm -hmm. jury system to perform this function. Okay, so um, you have a situation now where politicians have a lot of power. For example, in America, there's this uh, what, what's called the Russiagate hoax. Hmm. And they, 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 they buy into this idea that there was uh, interference, even though there's no evidence to that. But the major platforms like Twitter and Facebook have been bullied to respond. Can your product and your service put that adjudication onto a blockchain to try to make that fair and, and above political uh, kind of a foot, as a political football, make it fair? Um, you know, it's a good thing you mentioned this because uh, Facebook, like, what's Facebook now? It's, it's become like a virtual state in some way, right? A state that creates rules and that enforces rules. They have like an army of moderators who decide who is right about like, disputes happening there and who decides what information is going to be shown or not. So the fact that these moderators are like, working in a private setting behind closed doors, so you need some kind of neutral like jury if you want. To decide and transparency and transparency, right? Because the blockchain offers transparency. Exactly. Uh, right now, you just you just have a black box, and it's just Facebook yeah. makes a decision. Somebody gets deplatformed, and they're not sure exactly why. Yeah. And uh, so this would add transparency and um, remove another layer to the. Let, let me ask you about Argentina some more. What 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 businesses are needed on the ground from entrepreneurs right now? Software, technology, like if you could get one sector, crypto, blockchain, what, what would really give the entrepreneurs in Argentina a big boost right now? What, what, what are, what's needed? Uh, I think what, what's needed is like, uh, like more blockchain, you know? <laughs> like the, the, the country already has this very big community, uh, people working on building solutions for, for the world, because the good thing is building a startup in Argentina in the blockchain industry enables you to do it for the world. Before, it used to be like, okay, you're working in Argentina, okay, you do something for the regional market, and if you're lucky, you get to Brazil. Now, you, you get projects like building things for the world, creating the, the, the future of technology, of civic technology, right? Uh, and so I think that what's, what's needed here is, like, for first, that government doesn't interfere with this, all this. Like, let laissez uh, faire, laissez passer, as they used to say. Um, and so entrepreneurs will find a way and they will build stuff. What's, what is one thing that people misunderstand about Argentina, business people? What do they get wrong? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Um, I think that um, one thing of Argentina, as you said in the beginning, so it's creativity is a child of necessity. And so people have become like, very used to like be, be pivot all the time, like be creative on how to look for solutions where there seem not to be any solutions. So, um, you know, I think that the world uh, is going to, in the end, like see this super potential of this creativity that we have here. Uh, and so, um, so I think that that's undervalued for now. Right. So you have this pool of culture and creativity yeah. and entrepreneurs and they're and they're hardened entrepreneurs because they've had to live in a very volatile situation. <laughs> and now they just need a path to a global market. And that path is being obstructed by political machinations. Certainly my country, America, didn't help in 1976. You know, we, there was a coup here. We screwed everything up, uh, you know, because America likes to make everyone in debt. They like to make everyone in debt, and then they like to steal stuff. Yeah. So now, um, are we at a, at a point where Argentina can escape the American empire of debt, maybe <laughs> with cryptocurrency? 
look at me. Like I, I am an entrepreneur here, and I have the chance to work with a team from eight countries uh, and create things for the world. This would have been untinkable like 10 years ago, like before Satoshi Nakamoto. It was impossible. So uh, now with the blockchain, we can access the world. We can raise money abroad. We can uh, go to customers in the world. We can pay salaries to every country. So it's this frictionless experience so enables lots of this Argentinian creativity to become uh, yeah, to go to the world now. Well, you mentioned Satoshi Nakamoto there. So this is uh, Bitcoin. So let me ask you a Bitcoin uh, question. So there's uh, Bitcoin, and then there's all the other altcoins. And um, now we're at a the, the pendulum has swung back to Bitcoin maximalist. And um, do you feel that that's a valid discussion to have um, in the Bitcoin community because it? There's so many projects out there that are scams. Right. And um, by, by, by focusing on this Bitcoin maximalization, maximalist, it's a way to kind of weed out and filter out all the noise and the scams. Or do you feel that, um, you know, just uh, let the market decide? Uh, I think that the, in the end is, okay, what problems can blockchain solve, right? Bitcoin already proved that can be a store of value. So can smart contracts enable like a uh, rule of law for the world, for uh, where, a world where rule of law doesn't depend on the country where you were born or where you work? So I think the smart market will sort out what are the solutions that blockchain can provide, smart contracts, and we'll see. It's starting. Fair enough. Thanks for being on the Kaiser Report. Thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Kaiser Report with me, Max Kaiser, and Stacey Herbert. I'd like to thank our guest, Frederico Ast. If you want to catch us on Twitter, it's Kaiser Report. Until next time. Bye, y'all. Thank you.